My AJ, you drinking gin? Is ice and water. Gone. Vanessa made a really bomb gin meal. She yeah, killed I did. it. So. It's the best drink ever. It's really good. Actually, yeah. I, I, have vodka I prefer now. it to the vodka meal. Me too. I have vodka, sorry. It almost adds another layer of flavor that you. Yep, that it's you more floral. Expect, tree. But you want yeah, it to it's have. more floral. <laughs> it's like a pine tree. It's like, yeah, it's like a. I like gin. Yeah. I, I still gin. hated it since college, since taking shots in that room upstairs in our dorm room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I also hated it since yeah, college, exactly. except a different night, but just as bad. We had a handle of Seagram's gin. It wasn't even Ooh. good gin. I've never, I've I, never, I still don't like gin. You don't like I think gin? I know. Mm-hmm. Taking I like shots of gin. Everyone who says I don't gin. like gin, I just make, yeah. them, make them a gin mule. If somebody, I'll bet that 90% of the people who don't like gin don't like gin because their first experience with gin was taking shots of gin. Right. Like I totally agree with that. That's why yeah. it's ruined. That, what about, do you think that's different than whiskey, though? Like as a 19-year-old yeah. or 16-year-old, for that matter, who their first experience with whiskey was taking mm. shots of it and they hate it? Same thing. Right. So you're saying we, we just got off of whiskey the... But there but, are certain whiskeys... <laughs> That are really, I mean, whiskey in general can be very good, and then you learn to like it. Wait, are you saying that we just we quit on gin? That we should have just keep, we should have kept taking shots no. of gin? I don't no, know. no, I don't think I would saying, want a shot. Is that of what gin. it sounds like I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't drink. Not. That's don't what I take think shots you're of saying. Gin. That's a, <laughs> I think you're telling us to take a shot of gin, and now we'll. So, like so it. we're no, are we taking no, shots no. of gin? No, 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 no. I don't. I don't want a shot. I'm like, so are we doing this or? I don't even like. He's like, I have it here. I got a whole box of grandpa's shit. I'm sure there's a beef eater or something in there. I don't even like Probably gin. Some old, I just old like Tom ginger gin. beer and lime juice. That's all I like. Doubt came in my mind. As I'm sure it's coming to yours. Even one to ponder about. Whether it's right or not. These last few or many days. Well, welcome back to the tabletop, everybody. We are the Board Game Social Club. Coming at you today with another episode I am one of your hosts, AJ, and I'm with my two good friends, of course, Robert, Joshua. Say hello, boys. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm Robbie. And who do we have with us today? Today, we are also joined by a couple of guests for the first time. These guests are good friends of ours. They play a lot of board games, especially the Settlers of Catan, which is what we're tackling today. So we thought it made sense to have them on and join us today. So guys, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Vanessa. And Jeremy. <laughs> Welcome, right. guys. That's right. Welcome you did show, right? Thanks. Guests. Woohoo! Guests, yes, finally. We had two We're people hear... finally listen to us, and we invited them on. So. <laughs> Could happen to you guys. You <laughs> just go ahead and listen. <laughs> exactly. As soon as Maybe we know you're, you're going to be on the next one. I want to invite everybody to check out our social media pages at BGSC Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. This could be a great way to follow along with our game description so you can see some pictures that are on there. Some of this stuff will make a little bit more sense that way. Uh, So check that out, BGSC Podcast. Let's get into this game description, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Everybody ready? I'm ready. Yes. Are you guys pumped? Yes. Super excited. All right. Robbie, cue the music. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right sorry sorry i could have done that did you want to not do that to yourself <laughs> no i like it okay I like it. keep going all right here we go 
So you want to embark on an adventure and make a new home for you and your family? Welcome to the island of Catan. Catan is a beautiful land with plenty of resources for you to stake your claim and build your empire. You will need it all if you want to be successful. Brick and wood for roads and buildings, sheep and wheat to sustain your people, and ore mines for all your future manufacturing needs. It is complete and utter paradise. That is, until you realize that you're not alone. As it turns out, the resources are not yours for the taking. You will have to rely on your ability to lay claim to land in order to get the resources you need. And if that doesn't work, you'll have to rely on inner Catanian relations, trading and bartering for what you need. But you know what they say, keep your friends close and your resources closer. If you give too freely, you might find yourself being the best friend of everyone on the island. And ultimately, broke is a joke. It's cutthroat on Catan. Who will emerge as the ultimate settler of Catan? The object of Catan is to be the first person to have 10 victory points during your turn. Let me hit you with some facts here. Released in 1995, Settlers of Catan was one of the first German board games to gain popularity outside of Europe. Known in Germany as Die Siedler von Catan, or what, however they would say it, publishers decided to change it to Settlers of Catan to, to, to breach the non-German-speaking community. Some say this was a turning point in the garnering the American public. I agree. Die Siedler von Catan sounds so, so aggressive. Anymore, it's just known as Catan, probably because publishers charge by the letter. Currently on Amazon, you can find Die Siedler von Catan for a low random price of $40.69. This game is a base game for two to four players. However, expansions can add more players to the game. Games typically last 60 minutes or less, just the way you like it. And all ages are welcome to play. But the hippies at Catan recommend it for folks above 12 years of age on the old age meter Although, I think there's no real reason someone younger couldn't play. There's no adult nature to this game. It's not like Strip Catan. That's the next episode, though. Catan's game type is typically considered an economic negotiation strategy game. I know what you're thinking. And no, not like SimCity Flea Market. Although an excellent economic negotiation strategy simulator, this is not like that. All right, let's get into the physical description of this thing. This game board is really unique compared to most. The Isle of Catan is made up of 19 terrain hexes surrounded by six ocean borders. These pieces fit together to form one hexagonal game board. The hexes belong to five types of terrain, each that provide a different resource. These terrain types are hills, pastures, mountains, fields, and forests, and there is one desert hex that produces nothing. As far as the borders, the only thing of a note here is that they have the harbors around the coast of, of Catan, and there are nine harbors, one for every type of resource, and then there are four general harbors, and these provide a more efficient trading location for those who have built here. So now I'm going to start by describing some of the accessories that go along with Catan. There are 18 numbered tokens, numbered 2 through 12, but skipping the number 7. There are also two of every number except 2 and 12, of which there is only one token. You will also see little dots underneath each number. These are a visual representation of the probability of rolling each number. The more dots there are, the higher the probability. 
There are also 12 harbor tokens. These are identical to the harbors that are on the border pieces of the game board that AJ talked about. They are used to cover up the harbors on the board, but in random order to introduce a level of variability to the game. There's also one gray robber piece. This is a wooden game piece that is used whenever a seven is rolled or a knight card is played. We'll talk more on that later. Along with that, there are also five resources to gather in Catan. Brick, ore, wheat, wool, and wood. Or bow, for short. Or wob. Both are accepted. Of course, some people call wheat grain, and others call wheat hay. Both of which ruin my acronym, so we don't call them either. But are generally understood. Players can utilize these resource cards to build settlements, roads, cities, or to obtain development cards. These development cards can assist players in a number of different ways and can fall into some strategies. On top of those accessories, let's not forget that Catan, at its base, is a dice game. Therefore, it comes with a pair of dice. One red die with yellow pips and one yellow die with red pips. Now, there are some pieces for each player to have here. There are four sets of game pieces, all different colors, to help you keep track of who is who out there. Within each set, there are five settlements, four cities, and 15 roads. And we'll get into what these do and how to play them in a minute. On top of that, there is one building cost card for each player. This is just a reference card to help you remember the specific combinations of resources it's going to take to build or purchase items in Catan. Rob, why don't you tell us about the layout of the playing space here on this game? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about how all these pieces come together to form that playing space. It's worth noting that the layout I'm describing is the most variable possibility for a game setup. There are less variable setups in the rules if that's what you prefer. The board is set up by placing the resource tiles, the harbors, and all number tokens randomly within the frame. The resource cards and development cards are placed in stacks within reach of each player if possible. Each player has their own space where they will keep track of their game pieces, resource cards, and development cards. Finally, keep the largest army and longest road cards close by to give to the first player to earn those rewards. For lack of a better place to put this, I'm now going to talk about the different ways victory points are earned. First is through settlements and cities. Each settlement is worth one point and each city is worth two points. Second is through development cards. If you are lucky enough to draw one of these special cards, they are worth one point. Finally, you get two points if you're the player with the longest road and or the largest army. Awesome. That sounds great. Let's get into some mechanics of the game. Let's talk about what a turn looks like, a turn overview, if you will. Robbie, get us started a little bit on the initial settlement placement, and then Josh can take it from there with the dice roll. At the beginning of the game, players each roll a die to decide who goes first. The highest roll gets to place their first settlement and road. This continues on clockwise until the last person gets to place their first settlement and road. Once that happens, the order snakes back around to the first player, placing an additional settlement and road until each player has two settlements and two roads placed on the board. Right, and so after everybody gets their initial settlements placed, you then begin playing, and that's going to start with rolling the dice. So players roll two dice on their turn, then the corresponding number results in one of two things. Any number 2 through 6 or 8 through 12 results in resources being divvied out amongst players with cities or settlements located on those corresponding numbers. However, if the big bad 7 is rolled, hold on to your butts, because you've activated the robber. That's right, the robber. Oh no, what's the robber? You might ask. 
Well, let me tell you, the robber is a dirty, no-good bandit out to ruin your good time. The robber sits on a resource tile and gobbles up any resources that might have been paid out on the incumbent roll. Also, when that dirty some bitch is relocated, the player who incites said relocation gets to join the robber in stealing one resource card at random from a player with a city or settlement on the block tile. So after the resources have been divided or the robber has ruined your good time, you may trade resource cards either with other players or with the bank. And Josh is going to go into that in a minute. If you don't want to trade or you've already done your trading, you can build things. The things you can build are roads, settlements, or cities, as long as you have the proper combination of resources. You may also purchase a development card at this time, which again needs a specific combination of resources. And you can see the building costs reference card for this list. The final thing that you're allowed to do on your turn is to play a development card. Only one card can be played per turn, and we'll go into the nitty gritty of development cards in just a few minutes. So now we're going to dive into a few of the mechanics of the game. First is resource production, which is a crucial part of this game and is completely left up to chance. Whoever's turn it is rolls the dice. Anybody with a settlement or city connected to that resource hex receives resources. They receive one resource for each settlement and two resources for each city. Like AJ alluded to, maybe the most important facet of this game is resource card trading, of which there are two types. There's maritime trading and domestic trading. Maritime trading involves a player, on their turn, exchanging the standard exchange rate of four identical resource cards for one of any other resources from the bank. However, if you have settled on a generic harbor, you may choose to trade a reduced 3 to 1 rate. Or, if you have settled on a special harbor, you may utilize a 2 to 1 rate, as long as you trade in the specified resource cards depicted on that harbor. Domestic trading happens between players. On your turn, you may trade with any other player for anything that they agree upon. And yes, you can do favors. Hell, get creative. I once saw a guy in a bar throw a month of lawn mowing service for two wool. I think they countered for one wood and the deal was broken. But the point is, nothing is off the table. Get creative. Good point, Josh. As Rob mentioned earlier, there are two special ways of gaining victory points in this game. The first deals in road building. If during the course of the game, you have built at least five adjoining roads and you currently have the longest road, you are awarded the longest road card. This card grants you two victory points. If, however, at any point another player's road surpasses yours in length, you must forfeit this card to them until you are able to extend your road to the proper length. Now, let's dive into development cards a little bit. If you choose to spend your hard-earned resources on development cards, a topic that will surely come up in a little while, you will pay the required resources and then draw a card off the top of the development card deck. There are three types of cards within the development card deck. The night cards, the progress cards, and the victory point cards. Now the victory point cards are the simplest. They just award one victory point to the player that holds the card. These are not playable within the game, they remain hidden in your hand until the end of the game, whenever it's time to reveal how many points you have. The progress cards, however, are playable at any point during your turn. They do things like award resource cards from the bank, take resource cards away from other players, and allow building of roads for free. Just follow the instructions on the card and you'll be fine. 
And lastly, we have the knight cards. These are also playable at any point during your turn. Playing a knight card allows you to move the robber and steal from a player just like rolling a seven. Once you play this card, place it face up in front of you. And here comes that second special way to gain victory points. If at any point you play at least three knight cards and you have played the most amount of knight cards, you may take the largest army card. Identical to the longest road, the largest army grants you two victory points, but is susceptible to another player taking it from you if they grow a larger army. In Catan, keeping track of who is winning requires you to keep track of scores at all times. If at any time during your turn you find yourself with 10 points, you are the winner. And that's about it. Josh, tell us a little bit more about the expansions and stuff that go along with this world of Catan. Absolutely. This world of Catan has blitzkrieged its way into the hearts of the gaming world, and that has led to multiple expansions, including seafarers, cities and knights, traders and barbarians, explorers and pirates, as well as a multitude of regional and scenario-based versions. Perhaps someone will discuss those in a super-secret upcoming segment. Perhaps. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> nice. That was a really fun game description, guys. I hope... Everybody out there enjoyed it as much as we did, especially at some of those funny parts. I don't think they enjoyed it as much as we did. <laughs> I really yeah, enjoyed it. We got to work on that. You know, Josh, you're really good at it. You make you make it fun. Yeah. I feel like I just say just the basic as cut and dry words as possible. Yeah, I'm literally like fucking lame. stupid. Just read it. Just read the thing. You know, super boring. It's perfect. Josh has we'll all the jokes. We'll get that all figured out. It's hard out. to get through it, though. So, you know, you win some, <laughs> you lose some. Just take your – you should just take your headphones off yeah, and just, probably just, like, get in your own zone and just, like, fuck whatever we're doing. <laughs> get a glass of milk. Yeah, a warm glass of milk Calm. and just settle in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dairy's really good for vocals, I hear. At least, I yeah. Is that true? It's yeah. 100% false. It's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay, well, let's ask the vocal expert yeah. on, Acapella. on the show here. Do we have a vocal expert? That's exciting. Yeah, Jeremy's a vo- Did you know Jeremy is a member of 5280 Acapella? I did. But our Plug. audience didn't. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, Jer, what position do you play in 5280 Acapella? Position? Linebacker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> baritone. Nice. Nice. That's the deep ones, right? It is above the deep ones. Ooh, shit! But, uh, that's cocky. That's I like fine. your I like your style. But uh, <laughs> oh, that's that's soothing. That's smooth. <laughs> soothing. So, that's that silky smooth. That's that, that's that Barry Manilow shit. Yeah. It really just Artists. means that I can't sing as low as a bass, and I can't sing as high as a tenor. But they wanted me around still, so they stuck me in the middle. Oh, that's sad. But I think you're more important <laughs> than that. <laughs> stuck in the middle with you. All right, let's let's dive into our first topic, shall we? We've spent a lot of time talking the three of us. We had guests on here and pretty much we just made them drink while we talked a lot. So <laughs> I wish someone would do that for me actually. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. It's less pressure. Yeah. Make me talk well, all the time. Let, let's talk about our favorite parts of the game. I don't really want to call our guests out to be the first one. So, which one of you guys wants to start? I say I say Vanessa, I'll call her out. Oh. <laughs> All right. My favorite part is. Jer has it. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, what do you got? 
I was gonna say my favorite part is winning almost all the time. Oh my god! Damn! Shots fired immediately. <laughs> wow. wow! It's a cocky baritone. It's true. He has a lot of wins in our record book. We've played like 120 games, and Jeremy's won like what was it, 44? Wow! You guys have a record book? Yeah. We have a record book. That's pretty cool. Well, you're in it, AJ. I don't think Josh is. Maybe. I don't think so. He should be. Oh, no. AJ's we in didn't, I didn't night. include that one the other night. But yeah, look, there's like a whole bunch of people. And we list who we've played with and how many times they've won. Jeremy's 44. Robbie's 34. I'm 31. And then there's a whole bunch of other people in here, too. And you included my victory. AJ, from the you're other night. listed as zero, but I could change you to one from the other night. Hell yeah, put me a one from the other night. I think you should. I think you should do that. On All right, air. I got it. I got great. it right now. I mean, I did win. I'm changing you. I'm changing it. Drunk and couldn't even. But see I gotta straight. add Josh's wow. name in and Courtney. It's gonna keep me at zero. Yep, you're zero. <laughs> yeah. So our rule is that we play anytime we play Catan with at least two out of the three of us. We record it on the on the scoreboard. Gotcha. Oh. That makes sense why there'd be like 120 some games. I mean, either way, that's still that's still a ton of games to play. You guys got it in. Yeah, a lot of games. And and Jeremy wins a lot of them, so I could see how that's his favorite part. <laughs> He's an asshole. Ooh. Talk about shots fired. Alright, who's up? Um, my favorite part of this game is that it's different every single time you sit down to play so there's some variability in setting up the board there's variability in laying out the number number tokens so that when you roll the dice that that production is different there's variability in the harbors there's variability in all of that stuff and what that leads to is just a different game every single time you sit down and play and i think that is my favorite part like you can sit down and play a game of Catan and you have no idea how it's going to go. You don't know who's going to get to place their, their settlement first. So you don't know who's going to get the best spot on the board. Even if you don't get the best spot on the board, you don't know how the dice are going to roll. So you can, um, you can still make something out of that. Even if you don't have the best, you know, in, in hypothetically speaking, the best spots on the board, uh, a, a two and a 12 could be the best spot on the board, which is highly unlikely, but it could happen. So I think that's, that's some of my, favorite aspects for sure and you sit down and play and then you you know everybody has a, an equal chance of winning you just never know how the game is going to turn out well, that is a fun part of it and i think going off that kind of leads into mine which would uh be on that that same side the dice part of it and how much it can build into like your craps game really you can just build up your craps game playing this game yeah that's a good point i mean in this crew specifically we all really like craps and we all get like pretty into like different methods and stuff like that so um definitely a super cool parallel there yeah yeah it helps you with probability and odds and dice i mean yeah <laughs> no i do i like the the probability i just like that you can um kind of count on well you can't count on it but that you can use you know odds and probability and kind of dig deep in those two things to sort of you know help yourself along um it's not it's not so cut and dry as just a random game you can still play odds and play play different ways um to use you know intelligence it's not completely luck 
I like that. Nice. Yeah, that's true. Sweet. I think it's my turn. Um, my favorite part of this game is the trading aspect, and specifically the trading with other players. I love how this game gives you a lot of freedom here to sort of kind of do whatever you want a little bit. Um, it's very, like, open-ended. Um, there's definitely some guidelines. I mean, there's some couple things you can't do, but for the most part, it allows you to sort of just, like, kind of do what you want and trade what you want and... You can sort of have fun with it. A lot of people don't trade at all. They don't like trading. And then there's other people who trade all the time. Um, so in that specific way, it's kind of a, a different game every time you play two, you know, playing with different players. So I really like the like the open-ended trading sort of aspect of it. I do have to – I have a comment on that before Vanessa shares her favorite part. It actually has to do with Vanessa. So when we first started learning how to play this game, we – well, Jeremy and I were really excited about that same exact thing you're just talking about, AJ, about this like open-ended trading experience. <laughs> and uh, we really, we really interpreted that pretty loosely. And so, I tried to trade with Jeremy. Like, it, I tell you what, in as soon as I get a wheat, the next time I get a wheat, I will give it to you if you give me a brick on this turn. So it was like a future trade. I got and, pissed. Uh, I was like, "That's not allowed." <laughs> <laughs> she she threatened to quit the game and never play it with us again. That was like game number two. So yeah. So so we did not carry that rule <laughs> through. Had, yeah. <laughs> we've had some tense moments in our days. It's been some dark. Jeremy threatened. Jeremy threatened to divorce me. So it's on our birthday. On my birthday. It's messed up. Katana's serious. I don't remember what she did, but it was it was messed up. Yeah, I, I mean, it would have to be Jesus. <clears throat> I mean, in this same light, it kind of, I was a little bit surprised reading the rules um, just to kind of get ready for for today. I didn't realize there was specifically a rule where you couldn't trade like a card for nothing, um, which kind of falls right there into what you're talking about, Rob, like a future, mm. like a future card, but it's actually illegal to like give a card away. So that's actually pretty interesting. I don't know that that's ever like come up for me, but. I didn't necessarily know that was a rule. Right. I mean, we've talked about that before because maybe Robbie will bring this up later, but his main goal is because of how many times Jeremy's won is to help Jeremy lose usually, but he still likes to play fair and not just give me all of his resources to help me when he knows he's going to be out of the game or something. But I think that's probably why they had to do it so that you can't just be like, here, take everything for nothing. Or even like a scenario where like somebody has the longest road and they're going to win on their next turn. And so you give your wooden brick to the player whose turn it is right now so that they can take the longest road. Like, I think that's what it's to defend against. Yeah. That kind of thing, especially if they have nothing to give you. Mm -hmm. uh, Vanessa, what's your favorite part of Catan? I think mine's kind of similar to you and AJ, but I think it's just that I never play any game the exact same. And I really like that especially as we get into the expansions, which we're going to talk about later, but I really like that there's different goals and missions and things to accomplish each time. And I think that you can play like a thousand different ways and still win. And a lot of times you don't get the roles you want or you don't get the like resources you need. And so you have to like adapt your strategy in the middle of the game. And I really like that about Catan. So you can't like start out with what, no matter what your strategy is starting out, you, you have to you abandon always it. always have to adjust that sometimes. Yeah. Fortune favors the flexible. 
Can that be my new? <laughs> can that be my new favorite thing? As opposed to I like winning because that sounds super douchey. <laughs> yeah. Do you want another go, Jer? As like a favorite thing? <laughs> can I do a. Yeah, I'll do a take two. My favorite thing. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing is the with the dice roll. I, it's oh, you never know like what's going to come up. Um, and there's like the difference of like you you settle on like a four or a ten. Um, and you don't know if like fours are going to be popular that round or if 10 is going to be popular because there's always like a weird dice thing that happens every single game, whether it's like a 12 gets rolled like 40 times, which is very like statistically not probable. And so it's it's always fun to find out what's going to happen. So it changes every time. And I think I like the the difference between, from game to game to game there. It's always different. You never play the same game of Catan. Yeah, nice. If I had a least favorite part, I think I could just like cut and paste your answer into it. <laughs> the opposite. That is never the same. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like how you could have the best strategy, be the best player, and still lose. Yeah. yeah well, that's that's, that's why you have to bring in Vanessa's favorite thing, which is like you got to be flexible, like be willing to change your strategy. Like with Catan, there is no strategy. Every like you have to have multiple. Yeah. Should we do least favorite parts? I feel like that's not even really a part of our outline. So now would be a great time to do that if you want to talk uh, about I it. I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. No need to get negative. We're not negative. Yeah. Okay. And my least favorite part is going to come up in guest questions anyway. So. Well, I was oh, going to say, I think there is one thing, though, and a Ooh. lot of times this does happen where, like, two people, if you're playing, like, a three-person game or whatever, but two people are like together like competing and there's always one person left out that's like 40 like four to five points behind everyone else and you're just kind of sitting there like i'm fucked now like this game sucks <laughs> so i feel like that happens a lot in Catan where there's like like even in our game the other night like all the boys for some reason were like super behind everyone for like a really long time until aj freaking swept the board <laughs> for some reason but yeah, you bet your ass i did i played that development card on you guys that you're playing Monopoly. Monopoly, yep. Yeah, That's and I got right. like 17 wheat or whatever. This podcast brought to you by Parker Brothers and Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> and McDonald's currently doing their <laughs> yeah. Monopoly cup of cuff. <laughs> yes. No, I, well, I, th- oh, sorry, go Rob. ahead, Jeremy. No, I was just going to say my, the, that it kind of adds into like the least favorite is like right after you place your second settlement, like in the beginning of the game before it's even started. And then you're just like, you know that you're fucked and you just, that's yeah. the worst when you like place that second one, you place your road and then maybe somebody places after you. Maybe they, maybe they don't, but you're just like, I'm fucked. This game is over. Like yeah, I I, have done there's that. literally no way that I'm going to win. I'm fucked from the get go. And then the game is just lame and you're just on Instagram the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, the other day we played a game. Hopefully and I, the board game social club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instagram. The other game we played, or the other day we played a game, and I my second settlement, I think I was the second person in line of, of mm-hmm. a three-player game. So I didn't get the best spot, but I also shouldn't have gotten the worst spot. Yeah. But I went ahead and picked the worst spot, I think. <laughs> I You were like a corner of the coast with nothing else but one. Yeah, it, it was wasn't like even a harbor. harbor. <laughs> it, was, it was a harbor. It was a three-to-one and one number, and yeah, was that bad. was it. And I um, lost my I lost my ass on that game. So, well, I just thought I was going to be cool, you know. This is why Jeremy <laughs> wins, apparently. Yeah, I mean, you're a host of a board game podcast. Doesn't mean you're good at board. Games. Yeah, I'm not out earning money playing games. 
talking about them. Yes. Also not earning money. (laughs) Spending money. Um, But that kind of leads us into, I mean, I had a really bad strategy there. So, uh, AJ, how do you feel about the strategy in this game? Do you want to start or do you want to end? This is your, this is like your baby. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll start. I think a good, I think a good starting place is just essentially a question posed to everyone. And that is like at the start of the game when you're placing your initial settlements and you've got the board laid out there. Um, Basically, do you prefer number diversity or resource diversity? And I kind of think that all players kind of fall under these two category types. And I, for one, preference number diversity, where I like as many numbers as possible so that as the turns unfold... Um, you know, like dice roll after dice roll after dice roll. I like to be collecting resources in as many of those turns as possible. And I think you achieve that getting as many numbers as possible. That's sort of like working for you. And I know there's a whole different type of thought process there where it's all about like diversifying all of your resource types. So um, that's kind of the first question I think we should maybe start with there and uh just see where that goes well let's maybe just go around the horn and and let's hear it like would you do you preference numbers or do you preference resources no i'm team resource all the way resources myself yeah i'm the same i preference resources first i obviously don't go for like 12s or twos but like i'll try to make sure i have at least one of each resource somewhere on the board yeah, uh, I'm with AJ on this one. I shoot for number diversity, uh, specifically in those high probability numbers like sixes and eights and nines and fives. And then you always gamble on a four or a ten because it's either going to be fours or it's going to be tens. It's never both. Um, and so I, yeah, diversify that. But it's the resource diversity is also right up there. It's not, I don't even consider it like a second. It's like, can I try to get them both in one swoop? Mm. Yeah, I I mean, I totally agree with that. Obviously, I would prefer both. I mean, best case scenario, I don't I don't know if anyone would disagree. You know, it's like mm-hmm. six, eight, nine, five, maybe a ten, and you have all five resources. You know, I don't know if I've ever played a game where that happened for you like that, but like obviously that's best case scenario. Um, it's not like I'm saying I would choose like having that number diversity where it would give me an extra two over having that extra resource you know obviously there's like a a point where i would choose a resource but yeah like i'll repeat a number i'd rather have a number repeat but make sure i get the resource i want i really don't like repeating numbers if i don't have to so if i can take an extra five or a nine or even a four or a ten you know i really like having that extra number even if i have to repeat a resource yeah i'm with you on getting the number because i'm like the probability of uh, yes, I settled maybe on a wheat or a grain or whatever they call it. Um, hey, that's a two, but or <laughs> hey, sorry, you're right. Or a hey, a wheat grain, hey. a wheat grain. Hey, I'd rather I'd rather settle on something that I maybe already have that has a higher number than settle on a two for that one, just because I know that I can always trade it for four to one. It's like I might get four or with the six, then before I get one, hey, with the two. 
<laughs> what about something that's not so like extreme though? So like let's say because you said, you know, six eights. That's the highest probability minus the seven. Then you have the the five and and nine. What if you had like the ten and the four? That's a, that's a that's sort of a controversial thing. You know, like you, do you have do you settle do you pick the ten toward to diversify your resources or you double up on a resource and pick the um the five five nine you know what i mean yeah totally and i think that example that sort of like middle ground example is where like all of our differences are going to come in really i mean that's where i'm going to lean towards the number i think where i would rather have five separate numbers and only four resources as opposed to all five resources and only four numbers um like i said in a perfect world I would love six different numbers, even if I have to double resources, you know, keeping in mind that I can always like trade. I think trading is like a huge part of my thought process here. I can always like trade the one person who has a sheep monopoly, you know, if I need sheep in that moment, but no one's going to trade me the use of like their extra four or five numbers. See, I'd rather double, I'd rather double the numbers and get the different resource. I say I'd double the numbers too. Right. You so you would just take a different number rather than double up on a number like a nine five six or an eight on a different resource. I guess I don't understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, totally. I I absolutely would do that because I feel like I mean out of thirty six possible dice combinations, the more of them I get, the more resources I get. Um, I can always trade for the others. Is sort of my thought process. Like I would rather spend the entire game like raking in. For every number that's rolled, you know, instead of just like having only like the eight, six, and nine, and only like cashing in when those are rolled, even if you have those doubled, it's the same way I, I play craps, I guess. Since since we were talking about that earlier, I mean, I would rather spread my money out over six, eight, nines, fives, fours, and tens. I know that takes more money out on the table, but I feel like I have a better chance of winning with more numbers available for me to win on as opposed to me just like doubling up and betting all my money on the six and eight, even though I know that that has a better probability, but I just think I have a better chance to win if I have more numbers in play. Uh, that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> what, <laughs> I'm with you, Wait, <laughs> what if you had, AJ, what if you had, and maybe Jeremy, you can talk about this too, because you guys kind of are in the same camp. What if you had a six and eight already, and then there was another six and eight, six or eight option that gave you a, a new resource, but you could pick to choose the five ten, like a different five ten, but double up on a resource. Does that make sense? Do I need to restate that? No, I think I get what so you're saying. I, that's a ridiculously unrealistic scenario that I've never seen happen before but yeah in that situation double sixes and double eights sound pretty good um i'd probably do that i would definitely want mm. the other two numbers to be you know at least fours and tens probably but uh, yeah right <laughs> but th- in that in that situation you would preference you would preference getting diverse resources over diverse numbers yeah in that Yes, in that case, I would probably prioritize the resources. I think it's kind of funny because ever, I don't know, I feel like I actually don't trust the red numbers very much, the six and the eight, 
from playing Catan enough times, I feel like you fall for, like, I know it's statistically supposed to, like, hit, but I feel like you fall for them a lot, and then they don't hit ever. Like, you know, randomly, right. like, a 10 hits, a 9 hits. So I I honestly, like, I'll try to get one of them, maybe. And sometimes I get bitter because the other one hits a lot, like the 8 hits, and I pick 6 or something. But I actually don't stress out that much about getting on 6 and 8 at all. That actually happens to her frequently to the point where part of my strategy is if Vanessa settles on a six, I'll settle on an eight. (laughs) (laughs) It's built into your strategy. A hundred percent. She picked the wrong one. I never go first. (laughs) (laughs) It is weird like that. Like that's, that's part of that, that going back to, you know, just the variability of the game. You just like never know. And it does seem to not really, you know, if, if you roll the dice long enough, it starts to hit the probability. But for a while there, you you just have no idea what's going to happen. Sometimes it leans towards the six for whatever reason. Doesn't Rob, make any sense. To, Rob, to go back to your original question on like, if there's like a six and an eight on like a wheat and a wood, and then there's a six and an eight on again, on like an ore and a sheep would, well, you know would I settle on both? I think that's where it comes into that idea of like the, the balance between the the number that's most probable, but also like the resources that you need. So I think I would probably do that, go to the six and the eight in both cases. Um, and then as soon as I placed and the game started, I'd be like, ah, oh, damn it. I fucked up. <laughs> <clears throat> that is that situation. Cause it does suck to just like be dependent on two numbers, the whole game, you know, cause so diversifying the numbers is really important. Yeah, totally. You find yourself with like the best numbers. You could be settled on all the six and the eights and it, it rolls two times or something. Mm-hmm. Especially when it matters early on in the game when you're trying to get resources and get yourself established. If it doesn't if it doesn't hit the way you want it to, you could be screwed for the rest of the game just because of that while other people are capitalizing. I think, I mean, I think uh, what's happening here a little bit is that we're getting tied up in extremes because i would never pick like a double six and a double eight on four resources only and just like literally ride the entire game with two numbers but i also wouldn't do like all six numbers on like only on wheat you know so (laughs) i think i think that all of us probably have a strategy that we like that falls somewhere very near the middle and we either lean one way or lean the other. And it sounds like three of us lean towards diversifying. Like if they had that one choice, they would diversify a resource instead of gaining that one last number and the other two sort of lean the other way. I think it also, I think it also depends on what game you're playing because like the, the author, whoever, I don't remember the guy's name, but the Klaus. Klaus. Yeah, Klaus. Klaus Tuber. Klaus Tuber. He talks about how, like, in apparently the base game, uh, sheep is, like, the least likely, like, the least valuable resource or something. So he tries to balance it later by creating, like, different variants and scenarios and stuff. And I think depending on what game you're playing, it kind of changes what resources are really important to be on. And I think, like, in a base game, I really like to be on cities, like, ore and wheat immediately. And so that might actually, like, change where I place my... 
like if I can't get to a good number, I might end up like doubling up on ore or like doubling up on wheat just so that I can try to make cities where like if I'm playing a different, you know, game scenario, I might change how I'm how I'm placing things anyways. So you're saying on a on a base game, you put a lot of value in being able to build cities right away versus Yeah. settlements and roads, which sort of go together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and that kind of builds into more into strategy. So after numbers, after resources, then where let's go Robbie, where do you typically go after that um in the game? So after resources, after numbers, where does your strategy take you from there? I'm kind of with Vanessa. I think if you I my biggest goal is to build cities. Um I think that I always kind of try to keep in the back of my mind that if you don't have wood and brick, like you can't build roads and you can't build settlements to build new cities later. So it's a pretty well-balanced game overall in that in that sense. Like you have to consider all of it. You can't bank on you, – you build two cities and then you're done. You know, you have to wait right. to get resources from those and then you can trade them and, and hopefully make the best of it. But I definitely preference trying to build cities as fast as I can to get – because. I mean, the whole thing is like, if you're not producing resources, then you're, you can't do anything like nothing, whether you want to get development cards, build roads, build settlements, build cities. Like if you're not getting resources, you can't do any of that stuff. And cities are a way to quickly take whatever resources you are getting and double it. Well, I guess to take the other route, um, cause I don't do that. I, I look more to try to take advantage of the extras, the extra games, um, pick up quick victory points, you know, through development cards, through longest road. Um, I, I, I usually, I don't think I've ever won where I had a majority of, or got 10 victory points off of settlements and cities. I definitely win, uh, utilizing a longest road or, uh, looking into those development cards i i like development cards a to build more roads or you know luck into luck into a victory point or luck into a night and stealing resources that way so i i go the other way i don't really like to build cities settlements i'd prefer to build roads and just hope i get those three resources well, what's interesting, actually, Josh, about what you're saying in this game specifically, and, and actually it's kind of different than some other games I have in mind about players that like to go with a strong card-based strategy, the buying of development cards in this game actually pairs really well with cities. That's true. Because they both, it's like the two things that utilize ore and wheat, and you have to add that one sheep in there to, to get that dev card, but, you know, the whole, like, roads and the roads and settlement strategy doesn't need ore whatsoever. It's when you get into cities and and development cards that you need to add that ore in there and then get lots of wheat and ore. So it's kind of cool that you can sort of branch the two together and go like pretty heavily on cities, and then all you have to do is add that one sheep in there to have a pretty strong like development strategy, development yeah. card strategy. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of victory points to be found in those development cards. Jeremy, what do you like to do? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Longest Road. 
and the largest army. I kind of like both of those things. But again, it's the same resources to build cities and it's the same resources to build settlements. It's, I mean, whether you're going either of those routes, you're getting the same resource cards. Um, I don't know, the, the base game at this point, having played all the expansions, I think the frustrating part of the base game is that you're limited in strategies. Like there's only a couple things you can do to win. So you kind of either have to hope that you get the development cards you need to get the largest armies or hope that you get the resources you need to build the longest road. Um, but I definitely agree you need one of those two to win the game. And I mean, if you can get both of them and your original settlements, like you're 60% towards victory right there. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely valuable to get those. But yeah, the base game itself, just it, you run out of strategies to win the game. And that's why I like the expansions more is just because it opens up... <laughs> It opens up all these different ways to to win the game and get victory points that the the base game just doesn't provide. A point I would make, and I don't know how consistent it is with, say, all the games you guys have played. I mean, obviously, I'm talking to the crew who's at like 120 fucking games under their belt here, but um, I would say, just off the top of my head, the majority of the games that I have ever played, there's a pretty good battle for Longest Road. It's not just like one person jumps out and just gets that Longest Road and carries it all the way through. But I have played lots of games where there's been multiple players who were afraid to like waste their, you know, like waste their resources on development cards, which means the person who got three night cards early on just took that largest army and like never had to never had to do anything else. So I think just to sum it up, I think between the two, the largest army seems to be if you're willing to do it and you're willing to go the dev card route, it seems easier or at least less you know sought after so you don't have as much competition. Whereas the longest road, you know, you better have you better be ready for a battle with that. So I don't know right. what you guys have seen within your your uh total of games to yeah. your, oh sorry go ahead no, i was gonna say to your point there i think i definitely agree with you and with longest road too it's easier to sneak up on somebody and steal the longest road because you can just sort of have those resources and then you know people might think oh they're gonna build a settlement maybe one road but there's no way they're gonna build like three different roads to take my longest road but it's very you can be very mm. sneaky with it in terms of like they're never gonna sus suspect that i'm gonna trade my four oars for a wood and then build a road here or whatever whereas the largest army one you can see how many knights people have so you can right. you can track them you know coming up on you to the point where like if somebody has two knights already and you have three in the largest army you're like you know what i should probably try to invest and just right. get a fourth because you know if they tie me they're not going to take it but if you know whatever maybe they have to have one more than you in both cases but um yeah, you can definitely track it easier with the largest army. That's a good point. See, and I think largest army, it, even though it doesn't have as much of a battle and the road builder might be the easier easier route to go to get those extra two points, I think with the with the largest army, to build to buy a development card, you're sacrificing a couple of other things. Like I know I know you're you're using a wheat and a sheep to buy a development card, and that's sacrificing put a potential for like a settlement for for example you know like you still have to get that to build a settlement later to get that to get a point so 
I think that there's some there's a that's where I'm talking about like the balance of the game. Like so, if you go the development card route, you might get that largest army, but you have less resources to to build settlements. And if I don't do that, you know, I could still build settlements as long as I'm building roads and things like that. So, I think there is a there's just a really good balance. Yeah, that's a good point. I th- I mean the one the one argument, not that you were even making like a strong point the other way, but I mean going the longest like weak, road. Are you route, saying I'm making a weak point? Or? <laughs> I don't think you were. Try- I don't think you were trying. To not make that a you point. were doing a good <laughs> job <laughs> arguing your point. I think. I think you but, missed. Um. I think you missed a part. Is all I'm saying. Okay. Um, I mean, I I agree with everything you're saying, except that when you go along this road, you have zero chance of gaining an additional victory point development card. You have zero chance of gaining that monopoly card, and you have zero chance of gaining that year of plenty or even the road builder card. So That's true. Where, where, where I do agree with you that you have to spend more to get that night card, you have that like off chance of getting all of these helpful things where like maybe you get that victory point and it's worth you know half of that road builder card without even like doing anything else. So I think the thing that sucks about both of those 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 options for points is that it's very like you have to defend it the entire game then and so you're sitting there like okay someone took my road or like someone's approaching to get my road and you're you almost have to waste resources defending it the entire time um so like yes i i like getting those those things i always go for road or nights like i said i don't really have like a strategy i go for it depends on the rules that come out but i think that it's tough because you spend your entire game defending it after that. And so it's kind of a huge waste of resources because you're going to sit there and throw, you know, 40 roads onto the board because you have to, where like you could be building settlements and stuff just because someone's coming after your road. So it's, it's an interesting thing because you have to like waste so many resources defending it in the end. That's why I don't like having it. I don't like having it at the beginning. I like, sneakily taking it to win the game right i i where you're like i need three yeah. victory points to win okay i'm gonna build a settlement and then take longest road and the game's over nobody saw it coming because they're like oh he's only got seven victory points right. you know right. he's not even a challenge to win this game and then you're like oh longest road slash here's a settlement and it's all because i diversified the numbers when i originally settled probably a good strategy see and i always get into that situation i find myself loving how many resources i can get (laughs) you guys have anything else to add about strategy did vanessa did you give us your strategy vanessa i know you kind of talked a little bit about strategy and then we jumped into it but did you definitively like i said i i don't think i like have like one set strategy because every single game like depends on how it rolls and stuff so i think like i go in initially being like oh that'd be cool to have longest road but then if like someone else is taking over it faster because of they have more you know brick and wood then i might switch so i don't i don't i don't like i i guess my thing is like i stay yeah like flexible the entire game as much as i can i can vouch for that i think i think the only thing i think we've we've touched on it but i know Specifically, I think I know Robbie doesn't like development cards at all. So just like let's quickly touch on do you guys like going for development cards or do you think it's like Robbie said, like kind of a waste of those three when (laughs) you're only one or two cards away from building a settlement? Josh, I think you had already said you're kind of a development card player and so am I. So maybe uh, Vanessa and Jeremy, do you find yourselves going for development cards 
often or is that maybe something you don't go for right away and you you maybe have to audible to that later yeah are you guys down with the dcp (laughs) i think i play development cards a lot more than jeremy does i i like them a lot um all right hearing your guys's arguments for development cards i can't argue against it like you have fantastic logic in it of like you invest it and if you don't buy a development card you have zero percent chance of getting the monopoly and zero percent like all of that is very accurate so i can't argue against that logic but but you don't feel on a guttural (laughs) on a guttural level when i'm playing the game i buy development cards as a fuck it strategy of just like well i don't have enough cards to buy a city so like fuck it i'll buy a development card or like this isn't panning out for me. There's no way I'm going to get enough resources to do whatever. So, fuck it. I'll buy a development card and who knows. Well, I, I do that too. Definitely you have eight cards. Or, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to get rid of it. It might be a seven. So, throw away. You get rid of three cards easy. That's, that's actually cards. like, I would say, no one worries. of my strategies we haven't really talked about. But like... It, it is so tempting to keep resources to to do what you want to do in a in a few minutes, you know, or like in a couple of turns. Once once I get the settle the resources to build a settlement, I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna have like 90 resources until that moment happens. You know, I'll have like 40 wheat building up to getting a resource. I, that doesn't make any sense because you would trade it in. But you you know, 40 I mean. wheat, everybody. Yeah, 40 wheat. But th- it's it's always it's a grain of like, for fuck's sake. It's grain. It's hay. Come on. No, There's always the question paid. of, do I buy do I buy a development card or whatever the th- case may be for do I build a road and even though I don't need a road and I have the resources for it or do I save the resources to use them later for something I might want and I think that's where I buy development cards because I think you know I fell into the trap of like saving resources early on in our 122 games and <laughs> later it just became obvious that like if you have something. It's it's more important to spend it and not have to lose it. Like how many times you roll a seven and have to get rid of half your cards, and then it was all for not, you know. Plus the emotional yeah. toll that every other player is celebrating your horrific loss when there's a seven, and you gotta get rid of half of them, and people are cheering, high fiving oh, each other, <laughs> and they're like, oh, "It's also I'll, a mu- it's happy also about a those. total it's a mind fuck." I think when Ooh, you have fuck. that one player. <laughs> Who just silently and calmly just keeps buying development cards? Fucking, and then that's all the other players. Right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> you yeah, have yeah. that one. I did this I, that's me. I'm fucking collected guy. One I'm mind fucking you right now. I'm sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> I don't think I need to finish my point. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I think we got it. Next. <laughs> Nice. Um, and mine fucked you the other night. <laughs> I'm pretty pissed yeah. about it, actually. I'm a little bitter. We can bring I'm it really up. bitter you won, actually. Yeah, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, because I was Definitely. seriously like stumbling so all over our house, and Adina kept having to be like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I don't know. Like I don't even know everyone what cards I have. She's like, you have 47 <laughs> cards. You have to get rid of half of them. I'm like, I don't know how many cards I have. Yeah, you're a dick. Let's move. Let's Sorry. go on. Ch- anything to add on strategy? There's a ton of. No, there's a, all kinds gotta, of places we could we keep get, going. We got to move on. I think. Yeah, let's talk about um, drinking or not. Speaking of drinking, social. <laughs> I have an idea so, about that. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on a second. Oh, shall we social? All right. 
was gonna say I just told Let the story about how I was Let me re up on my claw. Is that a white claw? Wait, is that just a, a standard drink though, it, not like a shot? Is that a right? cruise light? Yeah, this is a standard drink. I'm currently out of Coors Light, so this is sponsored by White Claw. <laughs> I think you guys just get sponsored by White Claw. Josh had a very we smooth, should. That's why we do this. smooth sponsorship voice there. Yeah, you just do free ads. You free ads, and somebody will eventually pay yeah, you. Somebody will bite. White um, Claw. Mm-hmm. Gluten-free. Made pure. Raise your hand if you've played this game drinking. I've never played it sober. Robbie, our listening audience can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, everybody recap. in the so, audience, raise your hands. Yeah, you everybody drink. raise their hands. Okay, so we've all drank. So do you think this is a good drinking game? Do you, I mean, and we're talking just for our guests, we're talking like we eliminate the top. Let's get rid of the people right. who are so hammered that they can't even see straight because nobody, nobody, that's not fun to play with them ever. Because um, they kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, AJ. Wow, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. This is what alcohol does to you kids. Um, I could see straight. Makes you calm. Earlier. I just <laughs> yeah, false confidence. Gives <laughs> you courage. Um, do we think this is a drinking game? What do we think? Gotta I think, be right. I think well, it yeah, is. Yeah, because I think it's definitely a social game. Yeah. It's, it's it's social game. So it's not uh, you know attacking or you know and you know it is kind of defending your positions, but it's not exactly attacking people or killing or you know. Uh, military strategy type game. It's you're just sort of you know build. It's kind of like a farm game. You just building your farm and <laughs> it's chopping wood. It's like <laughs> farm <laughs> simulator. I think anyway. I think your emotions do get built into it though. I mean I've seen Robbie Robbie like cry on a bed after losing. He's tense. He, yeah, I cried. Once. He cried. I beat him. <laughs> wow. Fucking last minute. Okay. God, I will never forget this moment. I was going to win on my turn, and Jeremy swooped in, fucking stole that shit from me. Yeah, I cried, cried. on my bed for a second. Well, you were, I mean, it's Break not it anything to be embarrassed about. You were what, like 11 or 12 years old, right? No. This like, is what, like 20, a little what, boy? 30 like years a boy, old like a something? man? You crying on your bed like a man? Yeah. <laughs> you, little, man you little man. little <laughs> man. Yeah. Anyway, Vanessa, you were saying, yes, emotions get involved. Yes, uh-huh. emotions get involved, so it's fine to drink, but just be aware that you could get really butthurt at the end of it. I would say that that most of this game is fairly simple to keep in mind. Every now and then, you get like really lucky with the rolls over the course of like a four-person turn, where it like comes back to you and you have like 15 cards. And you need to sort of figure out the best way to use them. And, like, maybe you could even win if you do it the perfect way or trade them in in a perfect way or all that. And that would be pretty hard if you were, like, pretty drunk and your head was swimming. So, But otherwise, I, I can't see much of a situation in this game where it would be harmful to be feeling pretty good. So I, I vote two thumbs up with drinking. I agree. I think there's a there's a there are situations where you have to you have like three moves in your head. Like I need to build a road, and I need to build I need to build two roads, I need to build a settlement, and I need to turn that into a city. You know, and all that stuff takes some time and you like you said you're trading in cards. So, I think there are moments of this game that that it is a good strategy game where you want to have your head about you and you want to keep multiple steps in mind, but for the most part, yeah. Drink away. Getting resources and trading with people and having a good time. 
Yeah, I think this game is really, it's kind of static in terms of like, even if you're hammered, you can just look at the board and like remember everything. Like, it's all right there. <laughs> That's a good point. And so like, I, you know, there's been times. As opposed to Secret Hill. Yeah, there's been times where like, my turn will take a really long time, but it's just because I'm too drunk and I'm recounting how many points people have. And then there's four players playing. And then by the time I get to the fourth player, I'm like, shit, what was the first player's points again? So then I got to recount <laughs> You know, and you just figure it out. But luckily, it's all on the board. It's all static. It's all right there. I think when you get more drunk, though, you get less flexible and your brain like sticks to one thing. And you're like, to win the game, I have to get longest road. I have to get longest road. And when you're like, (laughs) and when you're sober, and when you're sober, you're like, I could get longest road or I could turn one of these into a city or I could build another settlement or like whatever it may be. Um, When you get into like the expansions, there are more options, but it's like, when you're more drunk, you become less flexible, I think. That's interesting. So, like all board games, probably like your chance of winning goes up if you're sober. But <laughs> true, all the, the amount time. of fun. This is true. All the time. amount of fun to be had is there for sure with alcohol. I say get wasted. Like, what's the worst that happens? <laughs> right. Yeah, you <laughs> lose to Jeremy. You, you, you have a great yeah. settlement. Yeah, shit. We're used to it. You choke on a settlement because you thought it was popcorn? <laughs> Why I did that? <laughs> <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> All right, well, then, uh, if there's nothing else to add about drinking, let's move on to number of people, because I think this game is pretty different depending on Mm. the number of people you're playing with. Are we going to discuss five- and six-player games right now? All right, well, that would fall under number of people, (laughs) Agent. It would also fall under expansions. No, No, it doesn't. It's an extension. Yep. What? Thank you. Extension and Semantics. expansions are two different words and yeah, two different things. Not an expansion. Also, this yeah. is. I mean, not Welcome based on spelling. Yeah, come on. Hashtag PPL. Yes, based. What? Yes, <laughs> based on spelling. I mean, there's an X in there. I mean, it's. <laughs> hashtag of people. Guys. Hashtag people. All right, whatever. <laughs> hashtag people. No, to answer your question in a very non judgmental way, yes. Yeah, we. Sh- I think we should, AJ. Good All idea. Right, fine. It's fine. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. Because there's also um, there's also extensions um, for the expansions. All right, calm yeah, down. Expansion, extension. Want. Calm down. Uh, all right, let's get back on track. <laughs> this game, here's here's a, a negative of the game. Um, no. Yeah, for the base game, if you just go out and spend your fifty dollars or whatever to buy the base game, forty dollars and sixty nine cents, Robbie. Nice. Oh right, I, forgot I thought that, that was the Sorry. German version. That was two and a half hours ago. Um. It's all the German version if you read the right Not for me. I skipped like 15 minutes in there. <laughs> um, fuck, what was I even saying? Rob I don't even know. Who, know. who cares? The number of people and if you <laughs> spend your money. I think where oh, yeah. you were going was spending your money for a four-player game. I got you. So you spend your money, you go buy this game, and you your only options are three or four people. That's rough. If you want to play with two, you have to go search online to find some resources at least that's in the version that i bought what josh's face is saying otherwise in my instructions for the base game there's no there's nothing about two people am i I wrong there no there's like a newish like adina was telling me there's like a fairly new set of rules they've just come up with for making a full-blown two-player game with the base version okay well maybe i just I've played multiple two-player games. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have right. two. Josh, while but I finish the my The rules sentence, don't say you can. Yeah, while I finish this, oh. look it up. See if it's in there. Because you have a, the newest game out of all of us, probably. Yes, yes. I just got it. 
on Amazon. Wow. For forty sixty dollars. Sixty nine cents. Um but you can only play with three to four people in the base game according to what I learned. And uh that's that's a little unfortunate. That kind of limits you a little bit. Um and then if you want to play with five or six people you have to literally go buy a new game to make that happen. So I think that's a little bit of a negative. Well it could be I agree that we did I mean we did we knock Secret Hitler because it was a five player game? Yes. I didn't. I did. <laughs> I definitely did. I was just wondering if you remembered. <laughs> I mean Secret Hitler has such a I think what Robbie's saying is that the range of the base game is really limited. Three to four. Limited. As opposed to Secret right. Hitler, the range is five to ten. And that's yeah, a that's a really expansive yeah, range, honestly. Five people together. True. Like it sucks that you can't play with like three. I think Catan is a fine game with two players. I think that's... I mean, I know it doesn't say you can play. I know you have to, like, take 15 seconds to go online, Robbie, (laughs) and that's really hard to do, but Catan is definitely doable with two players, and it's not as fun as three or four, but it's the the option is there. It's not like Secret Hitler. You cannot play Secret Hitler with four people. That's true. All right, touche. You play Secret Hitler with two people. It's a... It's really boring and lame. <laughs> yeah. You're the fascist. All right, everybody no, close your eyes. What? Everyone close your eyes. <laughs> AJ, what's your favorite number of people to play with for Catan? I'm going to say four. And why is that? Um, because I think two is doable and it's fun, but it there's a lot of the board available and you can just take all the numbers and your road can go anywhere you want it to go and there's no like blocking people and three moves closer to the sweet spot but four is right there and then once you get into five and six it's really very crowded and there's not a lot of places you can go and like even the like when you play six people and you're choosing your starting positions like the 11th and 12th best place to go is really terrible it's really right. just shitty to be there. So I think in the middle of six people and two people, at the risk of not having my math right, I'm going to go with four people. <laughs> four people. <laughs> that, that checks I think out. It's a, I think it's a sweet spot. Vanessa, what yep. do you think? I agree. I, I agree with four. I think we play a lot of three-player games, but I think four adds, like, an extra person to have to, like, work around. But, like, five and six is intense. It just makes the board too complicated it makes it too crowded and yeah all the expansion things you have to add in and stuff the fact you have to even have you have to even like get out a board to like put the extra pieces in and stuff it just all kind of sucks so really i like four at the most nice josh i'm a well i think i like three um mainly because i like my odds and being able to really get into my strategy in like a three i feel like i have the most control over what i want to do obviously against less people um i think it's really fun i just just think that that opens up the most of it because in the more players you get really limits what you're able to do based on what everybody else can do and like aj was saying you you could just just by the way it works with that many people on such a small board, you could end up with a terrible second placement and start off at a huge handicap. 
even just to begin. So I think I think I like three myself. Nice. Jeremy? I mean, I disagree with everybody, I think. Um, I like five plus. I, I want to say three because I win a lot at three, but I'm going to say five plus because Vanessa and Rob refuse to trade with me. And so if we're playing a three-person game, it's like not even a trading game. If we play with four, then they'll convince the one other person to not trade with me. So then I'm like, awesome, that <laughs> defeats the purpose. But if it's five or more, now I have two people that might trade with me. And beyond that, there's also that added-in building phase after everybody's right. turn, where if you have the resources, you can build something, um, even if it's not your turn. And I really love that phase. So I'm going to say five to six for both the the trading ability that I'm usually denied in a three-person game and that building phase. Wow. No, it's a good one. That building phase really is, it really yeah. does. I mean, for, it's a game changer. for an expansion, you know, that it, it, it really does add a really fun part to it. Robbie, did you, I forget if you gave your... No, I didn't. Um, Why don't I, you? I have a hard time choosing between three and four i think five and six is fun just because you get more people but i I don't think it necessarily adds anything to the game i think it just kind of complicates things but um (laughs) yeah the building phase i actually think is kind of annoying i like it because you lost the game down a little bit got all those dev cards that one time you played (laughs) yeah yeah exactly hey this is my I just turn. keep rem- I keep remembering Sorry, these things. I feel like interrupting um, was one of the rules initially. Told <laughs> I told you I was bad at it from the beginning. Yeah, he uh, he had yeah. a caveat. I think the building phase it it kind of takes up a lot of time. I think it's super necessary for that many people because by the time if you have six people, by the time it gets back to you, if you don't have that building phase, you could potentially have too many cards and you didn't even like you didn't even have a chance to use them. So it makes sense to me logically, but I think that it just like slows down the the prog like the progress of the game a lot and and that's kind of annoying um i think four is probably the most fun just because it it evens everybody out with three people i think that one person almost always ends up being the person who's going to lose no matter what because the other like if you just imagine like a board with three people set up if there was a fourth person there to take up some space then everybody's a little bit more limited and you have to be a little more creative with with your strategy and winning the game um but with three people there's like more room to expand and if one person doesn't get into that expansion to where they can compete then they just have to sit and and do nothing for an hour or whatever until until jeremy wins so um yeah i'm gonna so go four with, i'm gonna go with four fucking long-winded <laughs> at least <laughs> jesus <laughs> all right poor rob all right. <laughs> I appreciated the shout out though, Rob. You're right. Yeah, for sure. Three until I win. Winner. <laughs> Cocky. All right, guys, you know what? We're going to pause here because Catan is such a great and expansive game. And we've added our great guests here with us today that we're not going to feel comfortable doing this in one episode. So we're going to push this off to an episode two. And we're going to air that next week for you guys. So join us next week for episode two of Catan, and we'll see you then. As Robbie mentioned earlier, 
there are two special ways of gaining victory points in this game that don't involve building things. The first deals with road building. All right, that's fucking stupid because... <laughs> <laughs> Has nothing to do with building. <clears throat> Has first nothing to do with building. settlements and cities. <laughs> I'm just going re- to not... I'm going to read. I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read what I wrote. Gonna that read what should I be wrote. a drink. That should be a drink. Yes, fuck. Every, right. time you, every time you don't just say what you wrote down, you got a drink. I'm going to drink for that. Just because we've all done it. I'm sorry, I'm, no, I'm doing a half. I'm doing a half. 